Welcome back to another episode of the Who You Know Show podcast, where what you know is important, but who you know can make all the difference in your business, career, relationships, and life. My name is Trevor Houston, and on this show, you'll learn the strategy, grit, and mindset it takes to overcome obstacles so you can level up in your career, recover your cash flow, and live the life of purpose that God intended for you. Don't forget to look at the mic drop moments timestamped in the show notes below. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, make sure to pay it forward, subscribe and leave an honest review so we can improve. Thanks for listening. My name is Trevor Houston, and please enjoy this episode of the Who You Know Show. Hashtag rise and grind. So Glenn, I would like to to give our audience a little bit more of your backstory, where you came from. Yeah, man. So it's really interesting. Like I grew up in a really unique way. So my my father is uh, my dad. My dad is black. My mom is white, and they got divorced when I was eleven years old ish, somewhere right in there. And uh, my dad, who is black. I remarried and married a black woman. My mom, who's white, got remarried. She remarried a white dude. They ended up moving in two apartments apart in Flagstaff, Arizona. So my dad and his new wife were at apartment 30 and she had four kids of her own. And then my mom and her new husband were at apartment 28. There was literally one apartment in between us. Oh my goodness. And I got to tell you, man, every stereotype that you could think of existed in these houses. Okay. So dad's house was like fried chicken, collard greens, gospel, music, hip hop, <laughs> lots of TV, sports, loud, right? right there, like, <laughs> you know, you know how it is. And then mom's house was like some country music, maybe some rock and roll every once in a while. I'd see yeah, her yeah, sitting yeah. on the couch, like reading a book, you know, it was all quiet over at mom's house. So I grew up in these two worlds at the same time. And looking back now, I'm so thankful for that. Right. Amen. But at the time it was difficult for me because I didn't really understand where I fit in. My skin was too dark to be considered white. And it was too light to be considered black. And so I became a bit of a chameleon to where I could get along with everyone on a surface level, but I didn't really have any like deep relationships with anybody. Uh, And I was just constantly trying to figure out where I fit in. So that upbringing at that season of my life led me to get into a lot of trouble, hanging around with the wrong people, uh, making a lot of mistakes. You know, you know how it is. And uh, I also didn't have at that time, like I didn't have any, um, moral understanding. I didn't have any spiritual understanding. And so I was living a very 2d life is the way I like to describe it. Mind and body. If it looked good and it felt good, I was in, mm-hmm. right. I was in. And so that led me to, um, you know, ultimately making some mistakes early and, and then, you know, fast forward, you burn enough bridges, you make enough bad decisions. And that landed me on a beach in San Diego, California, homeless, depressed, uh, nowhere to turn, you know, and ultimately thinking, you know, and feeling like the only solution at that point or the best solution, what made the most sense was to end my own life. Cause man, I'll tell you, Trevor, when it comes to homelessness, 
you know, people think, oh, well, you're hungry and that sucks or you're broke and that sucks. But really the worst part about homelessness is you become invisible, man. Oh, Nobody yeah. will make contact with you. They're afraid you're going to mug them. You will ask them for money, whatever. And when you feel invisible and you don't have a spiritual foundation, that loneliness quickly becomes an incredibly dark place. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, taking my own life, own life felt like the only way out. Wow. Wow. I mean, um, totally, you know, relate to some of your story. I have some of the, some of a similar uh, upbringing, kind of grew up in a, in a broken home and you know, I was in and out of jail when I was uh, a teenager, you know, uh, getting in a lot of trouble. And by the grace of God, I was able to, uh, actually the law forced me to move with my father. And I can only imagine where, where I would be if I, if I never was, um, you know, taken out of the environment that I was in. I was in a pretty, pretty broken environment. And I can relate to what you were talking about, about the whole chameleon thing, because growing up, with my mom, I had a lot of people living with me. Um, my, my house kind of became like, like the homeless shelter, right? We had, mm. um, she was disabled and couldn't work, right? And so we had people from all backgrounds, ethnicities, my role models, right? The people, the male role models in my house were like the, the thugs, the ravers who were doing drugs with the glow sticks and the, the goths yeah, yeah, yeah. and what we called the freaks were wearing all black and makeup. And I mean, I had pimps living in the house. Like we had all kinds of different people living in my house. Right. And I mm. was, I was getting in a lot of trouble early on. And then, um, you know, again, I was forced to move with my father. So I'm so thankful and grateful for that because kind of took me out of that environment. Mm -hmm. And, um, and even my, uh, my family suicide runs in my family. I mean, no one's been successful. Thank God for that, but they've attempted several times. Um, mm -hmm. and so a big mission I'm on, I'm actually going on to, um, uh, a new, uh, docu-series called the social movement. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's going to be on mm -hmm. Amazon prime releasing next, uh, next year, but big mission I'm on is to help like eradicate, uh, suicide. And that's what we're going. We're uh, yeah. four days to help, you know, solve some of these issues, uh, that have been going on forever. Yeah. You know, I, I can identify too, cause I'm, I'm adopted. So I was born in Korea and was adopted at five months old, grew up in Northern Illinois, which is white and black. And, you know, I was the middle of three boys. Both my brothers were white. Um, so, you know, nothing to the extent that I think you guys experience, but I can catch a glimpse of that just because of some of the ways that I was confronted with being different, right? right? And not, not fitting in. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah, totally. I think people are, you know, generally a, a product of their environment. And we talked about this before, like you need, you need good nourishment, you need good soil, you need good light, you need, you know, you need a good environment. So Glenn, tell me like, all right, I can understand, you know, things, um, got you to that point. What helped you get you out? Right. In your video, it says the ocean pushed back. Right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. right. Talk, talk to me about that. Like the ocean put, but thank God 
the ocean pushed you back, man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So, so, so going back to the stereotypes just a little bit, right. So, so, you know, we, I'm not a very good swimmer. Let's just, let's just put it. <laughs> oh, come on, Glenn, man. Wow. We gotta have a representative, bro. Come on, man. <laughs> I am not a very good swimmer. And so my, my plan in my head was swim out as far as I could and I wouldn't be able to make it back. Oh, wow. And so as I, you know, so as I swam out, uh, after everybody had left, it was in the evening and I swam out as far as I could. And, and, and right when I thought it was going to be the last moment, right? Like the struggle, the buoyancy, I couldn't touch the ground anymore. I was tired, heart rate up, all of that. There was kind of this moment of, of peace, man. There's this moment of comfort right before death that I've experienced myself. And that I'm also witnessed in, uh, when I watched my grandfather pass away, mm -hmm. but right after that moment where I thought this is it. And I was comfortable with that. My feet hit the ground because the tide was coming in uh -huh. and I wasn't even strong enough to swim out past the tide. And so it literally pushed me back into, um, the shore. And as I just lay there, man, like that was, you know, and, and, and you can say, you know, at, the, at that point in time, I wasn't a very spiritual person. So I didn't really understand looking back you know, you could say God spoke to me or it was a feeling or it was a tug or it was a pool or, you know, whatever you want to call it. But I just all of a sudden felt this sense like, okay, the universe is big and filled with opportunities. Your problems are actually really small in comparison to how big the universe is. And if you really look at it, Glenn, no matter what city you were in, no matter what people you were around, there was one thing that was constant in every bad situation of your life. And that was you, like you were there Glenn for every single bit of that. And yep. so I'm not going to let you get out of this easy because you are not a victim. Instead, you're going to have to figure out this third dimension of yourself, the spiritual aspect of yourself and realize that if you are responsible for the bad, you can also be responsible for the good. Mm. And so that really shifted my mindset from a victim mentality to, okay, there's no easy way out. There's lots of opportunity. I just got to dive in here and figure out who I am so that I can go out there and make positive impact on this planet versus a negative. And so that kind of led me down a journey where I started to study spirituality. I spent six months studying Scientology. I studied Buddhism. I studied religions. And ultimately, you know, I, I, I learned the truth, the truth about Christianity and the truth about, um, you know, Jesus and, and God is my savior. And, and so I started still making tons of mistakes along the way. Don't get me wrong. It's not like a light switch, but still making mistakes. But I started to realize that, um, you know, the, that I'm a child of God, the God of the universe, God that made everything. And, and within that, in my DNA is this ability to create and that the we all have a board on date and an expiration date. And that little dash that's in the middle is all about impact. Mm. What kind of impact can we make in other people's lives? That's, that's, that's what I learned through my studies. Hold on, hold on. We <laughs> got something we like to do here. So we're going to do this. Dash in the middle. Yep. All right. You ready? Ready. Mic drop. No, I didn't mean, to, didn't mean to interrupt you, but we had to give you a mic drop. No, man. So, so I appreciate that. I really do. <laughs> and so from there, you know, I just started. I started really living my life 3D, three dimension, man, mind, body, and spirit. How do I, how do I serve all three of those? And, uh, 
you know, through, through that journey, uh, I really started learning and I, I really started reading a lot of books and, and, and just really studying, you know, success and human, humanality and connection and, uh, just finding my, finding, finding myself, you know, I really had to find myself and, and my place. And, and that's when I started to recognize like, Hey dude, I'm half black and I'm half white. That's dope because I can like talk to anybody about anything. And I've been homeless before so I can connect with that, make an impact in homeless people's lives. And I've been broke before so I can make an impact in broke people's lives. And now here I am, I've experienced some success financially so I can impact people that have experienced success financially. And I can make an impact for people who've been depressed. I can make an impact, you know, all of those different areas. And so now I understand that we are all given gifts and the parable of the talents is the parable that I refer to, you know, every day in my life is God has given me this gifts. And if I don't go out there and use them to multiply the impact that, that my life has on this planet, then he will take them away. And believe me, I know it. I know what it's like when it all gets stripped away and uh, I don't want to experience that anymore. So that's, uh, that's where I'm at now, man. Just trying to make an impact in other people's lives. Glenn, I liked what you said, which is, you know, in, in essence, that when you found your spiritual path, right, and you, you found Jesus, became a Christian, um, that, was, that was your path, but you weren't perfect. It wasn't like everything was just perfect at that point, um, and it wasn't easy. And I think that all is the story about the refiner's fire too, right? You were, you've been refined. Uh, by fire. Oh yeah. And that's made you who you are today and blessed by gifts that you're now able to give that other people aren't. So man, that's awesome. Your, your story is super powerful. It is very powerful. I understand why God would give you eight children, B. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag blessed. Okay. This man has eight children. Okay. Hashtag blessed. Glenn. So what was the next step after that? Right? You do some automotive training and things like that. Like, how did you get into that? Where did, where did some of the, um, your training come from? So in my 2D life, in my early 20s, I got into the automotive industry and I spent seven years, uh, you know, this was prior to homelessness, and all that in San Diego. I spent seven years working in the automotive world uh, in your typical dealership, right? You know, the, the, the dealership that you see in all the movies, that was, that was my dealership, right? Where we're taking advantage of people and uh, <laughs> that was my dealership for, for like seven years. And so I got, I, but I was good at it. Like I was, I had a mouthpiece, man. God gave me a mouthpiece. And so I was good and I was making money, but my life outside of that, of those four walls was, you know, was, was, was not good. It was, it was, I wasn't serving, um, you know, my first daughter's mom. I wasn't, I, it just wasn't good. And so. I went through this whole season and when I came out of it, I was like, I'm going to stay away from the auto industry. I don't want anything to do with it. I mean, I really had a bad taste in my mouth for automotive and uh, I was doing some other things. I was working in bars and restaurants and, you know, just, just kind of trying to find my way. And I met my wife now, um, that I'm getting ready to have my seventh child with and, uh, eighth child overall seventh with her. And, um, you know, my wife was like, dude, you're, we got a baby on the way. And so the only thing I knew how to do was sell cars. But now I had a new 3D version of what that could look like. 
And so I made a commitment. I was going to go back into the industry. I was going to change the industry. I was going to make that. an impact in the industry. We were going to, you know, instead of me being a victim to the industry, the industry better watch out. I was about to go through and shake things up. Yeah. So I got a position at a small dealership in a small town, Paris, Kentucky, and uh, started as a salesperson, worked my way all the way up to uh, the general manager of the store. And in that process of really looking at the industry, you know, flipping it 180 degrees in that process, we were able to grow that ship hundred percent to take mm. it from a tiny dealership in a podunk town to the second largest used car franchise dealership in the country. So that, that's why the 800 club is that, is that, that's, that's it. That's See, is that a goal right there? You got hashtag 900 on your hat back there. This is actually, this, this is actually one of the dealers that I work with a guy named Brad uh, Wise down in um, Tampa and his store goal is to get to 900 cars. That's his, his store goal. That would be an 800% increase for them. But yeah, man. So now that's what I do. I, after, after we grew that store and had a lot of success, we went from 40 employees to 300, uh, put that dealership on the map so on and so forth. And God is, God is crazy, dude. Cause right when I thought, okay, I'm doing good. I got babies. I got the house. I got the white picket fence. I got the good job. I'm making money. I'm making an impact. You know, everything's good. And right when I got comfortable, God came over and was like, gave me a little tug. And he was like, Hey, I'm gonna need you to hop out the boat real quick. Cause we got, <laughs> we got some down. more right. to do, yeah. you know? And so, uh, and so I actually, I quit my job in October of 2018, uh, which shocked the auto industry. People were like, why would what? this dude quit his job? Like they're winning, they're rolling. I was the face of the dealership, all of those things. And I quit. And now I work with dealerships all over the country, Love helping them implement those, those strategies so that they can create a winning culture in their stores. Uh, all over the United States of America. Man, that is awesome. So Glenn, I got I got a, some backstory. I can relate a lot to this, man. My background comes from the auto industry. I spent six years at Huffines Hyundai in McKinney. And, uh, you know, I was their top producer there for six years. I was crushing it, uh, early 20s, just, just crushing the game in the auto industry, right? Um, I remember my first year, I went to a conference, uh, probably, you're probably familiar, Grant Cardone. Oh yeah. Me yep. and Grant are, uh, Grant, I, I know Grant Wells first, first training video I ever watched when I was 19 years old was Grant Cardone. And he's been on my show a couple of times now. We've become somewhat of friends over the years. So, so check this out. I go to one of his conferences and I was reluctant to go. Okay. Because I was the top guy. I was crushing it and I'm in my early twenties. You can't tell me nothing. Right. So, right. <laughs> uh, and my GM wanted me to go. He's like, you need to go. Grant Cardone's the bomb. You need to go. And I'm like, Nah, I'm like, nah, it was like a thousand bucks to go. I'm like, I didn't want to spend a thousand bucks. I'm like, I'm already good. Like I, I'm already crushing it. Right. That was my mindset. Well, my dad talked me into it. My dad said, you know what? When I was in the painters union, I learned one trick that I've made money on my entire career. He says, you need to go. You need to learn one thing. Right. So I was like, all right, pops, I'm going to go. So I went and that thing lit me on fire. Right. I'm telling right. you from then on, I was just dom like I was already crushing it, but I was dominating in the car business after seeing Grant. And the only, the funny part about it was though, I was terrified to talk with him. Like after <laughs> the conference, right. 
I didn't want to go talk to him. I was, I was a little bit intimidated. And I also knew that he was going to close me. He's going to close me right. on all his books and DVDs. And, <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> and I didn't want to spend $5,000 on all that stuff. I didn't want him to make eye contact with me because if he did, he was going to close me on all the books and tapes. That's a and fact. That so, is a fact, man. But I outgrew the auto industry too, man. Um, I got kind of like shut down on, on some advancement. I wanted to grow. I wanted to be general manager. I wanted to, you know, kind of grow up in the, in the industry, but, uh, kind of politics and things like that kept me from moving up. And, uh, so that was God telling me it was time to go too, right? Mm -hmm. That's all that was. Mm -hmm. He was pushing me out, pushing me out the nest saying, Hey, it's time mm -hmm. to fly. My light bulb went off as both of you guys are talking, but you guys remember the prayer of Jabez where he was asking God to increase his territory. Well, why should God increase your territory until you learn how to handle that territory? If he made right. everything, wouldn't it make sense that he's the one that we should pull close to to understand how to operate in his world? Okay, I'll shut up. Hey, that's mm. a mic drop. One that's of it. our one of our viewers, Meg Rose Caterio, she's in the the comments. She asked what your bracelet said, and I know it's about rise and grind, and I just want to know if there's a backstory on that, where that came from, too. So, so this particular bracelet. Uh, I wear, I wear this one a lot because this, this bracelet, it says rise and grind on one side. Uh, but then on the other side, it says your journey is our priority. And, uh, that is a philosophy that we had at the dealership. And it's a philosophy that I still have today in my business is, you know, it's, it's, it's not about me. My business is, is not about me. It's, it's. It, it never has been my life. It's not about me. It's, it's your journey. How can I help serve you along your journey? That's, that's my priority in life. Um, and so this brace is just a reminder, you know, cause we're human, dude, we're human. And mm -hmm. I believe we need reminders around us all the time. Cause it's very easy to fall off the path. You know, it's really, especially a guy like me, it's, it's easy. And so. Yeah, that's what that is. Your journey, our priority. That's it. Like, I got to tell you, so auto industry's crushing. Life is good, right? Everything's, everything's good. I literally thought, because I loved my, the owner of the dealership too, right? right. And, and, and so I literally thought, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this for another 10, 15 years. I'm going to retire. I'm going to love every second of it. Like I, there was a, there wasn't a single day that I didn't love being at, being at work. Not a single day. And, uh. That was my plan, man. And after being with them for seven years, I took, I took 10 days off. It was the first time I'd taken any time off. Like, and when I mean any time, like my wife had all those babies and I didn't miss any work <laughs> for all of the babies. None. Uh, I had my appendix removed. I did not miss any work. Like, and that's just I, just, I just didn't, right? That's how I was built. So I took 10 days off for the first time ever. I take 10 days off. And the reason I took 10 days off is I had an opportunity to be a part of a conference in Florida called Hustle and Grind Con. And the keynote speaker was Eric Thomas, E.T., the hip hop preacher. Yep. And I was going to get to speak on stage with E.T. So Man, I was like, he's powerful. That's what I get to speak with E.T. Right. So I go to that particular event. Um, I get to hang out. Not only do I get to speak with E.T., but. Uh, after he's done speaking, uh, he comes up to me and, and he's like, Hey Glenn, you know, 
take down my cell phone number. I want to connect with you, so on and so forth, right? So he gives me his cell phone number and I'm like, this is crazy. ET wants to connect with me. Like, this is nuts. And I had a moment when I was on stage where the hairs on my neck stood up in my arms and I was like, this is cool. And then I had my friend, Danelle Delgado. She's a world-renowned speaker, uh, best-selling author. She's just an amazing human being. I met her uh, three years ago. And so she was there speaking also. And I was like all fanboy on E.T., right? Like, E.T., E.T., total fanboy <laughs> after he gave me his number, right? And, uh, and Danelle was like, Glenn, you have to realize something. You're, you're, you are the asset. And I said, what do you, I said, what do you mean? She said, you've. You put yourself in a position of service to where Eric Thomas sees value in you. He feels like you can help him. He's not just handing you his number for, you know, just because, you know, he meets millions of people. He doesn't hand out his number to everybody, but there's True something that. in you. You become the asset, right? So she started to twist my mind a little bit. So I'm like, okay. So I go back home and I spend three days with my family, right? which I normally I'm, I'm, I'm at work. I don't spend that much time. So I spend three days with my family. My wife's amazing. My kids are beautiful. Everything's blessed. Then that weekend, there's a men's Christian leadership conference at my church. I normally can't go to those because in the car business, you work on weekends. So I had mapped it out so I could do that. So that's why I ended up taking 10, 10 whole days off. So I can go to this men's Christian leadership conference. So I'm at the men's Christian leadership conference and our pastor, Scott Nickel, Scott's up there on stage and he's got this flannel graph Jesus, right? And he's like, this is what most people think Jesus looks like. This little flannel graph and he's holding the sheep and he's smiling and he's kissing babies and all this stuff. He's like, but I don't know if you've read the same Bible that I've read because the Bible that I've read shows me Jesus going in flipping tables and telling people like, look, man, I'm not going to put up with this nonsense. This is crazy. So the message of the whole weekend was we need to fiercely fight, right? Fight whatever our mission is, whatever it is that God has put us here to do, the impact that we are designed to make. It's supposed to be a fight. We're not supposed to passively right, right. go through this life. That's not, that's not how it's supposed to be lived. We're supposed to aggressively seek people to serve aggressively, right? So I walk out of this this men's Christian leadership conference. And now I'm, you know, ET gave me his number. Oh, I'm yeah. the asset, got the beautiful family. I'm like flowing, right? I'm like, Jesus is a fighter. I'm going to yes. go and fight. We're going to do all these things, right? And I'm jacked up. And, I, and so and now I get to work Monday morning after being off tech days and I got my suit on, boy, and I am ready. And I deliver this powerful morning meeting, man. I'm back. We're going to fight. We're going to do all these yeah. things. And it's, and as soon as I get out of the meeting, the owner, there's two owners, one that I love because he's an amazing human being. And the other one I love because God tells me I have to love all people. So I go in. <laughs> wow. And so I go into this meeting with the other one, right? The one that I love because he's my brother in Christ and no other reason. And in that meeting, the first thing he says to me, now, this guy's not great with words. It's not his fault. He's, he's just like his role in the dealership was to stay behind the scenes. We didn't let him talk to customers and stuff because he just wasn't good with words. And so I'm jacked up. I go sit down in his office. And the first words he says to me, he says, Glenn, I don't like you. Oh, oh, wow. And I went, I've been here 
almost eight years. I've given you everything. I've helped you grow to the second largest dealership in the country. I've, I've sacrificed, or I shouldn't say sacrifice. I don't like that word. I've invested time in you versus investing time in my family. Uh, I've done all of these things, right? And I know what he, what he really meant is he didn't like that I was doing a lot of social media and that uh, I was getting a lot of credit for the success of the store versus him, whose right. name's oh, on the building, yeah. right? Like I knew what he kind of meant, but the words he used was, I don't like you. And so I kind of got like, I'm like, what? wait a minute. And so as I'm sitting there and he's explaining to me all of these things, all I hear in my ear is my friend Danelle, you are the asset. You're the asset. And so I heard her voice and he keeps talking. I don't even know what he's saying. I'm over here in my, in my mind. And that's when I felt that tug, dude. God was just telling me like, hey, you can sit right here and this is what it's going to look like a decade from now. Or you can make a decision right here, right now to follow me. And I, and, and, and I'll, and I'll take you out and I'll show you what life could really look like for you. And so Dusty got done talking and I was like, I said, I love you. Thank you so much for the last seven years. I, I said, I, I think this season's over. I, I quit. I quit. And his, his jaw hit the floor. I mean, my jaw almost hit the floor. Like <laughs> what? And so I get in my car, I drive, I sneak out the back cause I don't want to cause a, a commotion. And I get home, it's 9.30 in the morning. My wife is nine months pregnant. She's due in like two days oh boy, with oh our boy. seventh child, <laughs> right? And, and she, I, I open the garage door, she sees me. She says, she says um, what, what, what are you doing here? Because she didn't expect to see me for about a month because I just took 10 days off. So, so she's like, what are you doing here? And I said, I said honey, I, I, I quit my job. And I'll tell you guys, man, I've never seen my wife smile bigger. Wow. Then when I told her I quit my job, dude, mm -hmm. she smiled ear to ear because see the one thing that I hadn't realized is how much weight I had put on my wife's shoulder. My career was blowing up. Our life looked good, right? We had the white picket fence and the money was taken care of, but my wife was carrying six kids basically on her own, man. I was working 70, 80 hour weeks. She yeah. never once complained. She was so supportive, man. She encouraged all of my dreams, all of that. But deep down inside, she was hurting. And I didn't know that. See, God knew that. I didn't know that. And so she smiled ear to ear, man. And from that day, I've been creating a business that travels around my family versus my family having to travel around my business. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. You are the asset. We are uh, so grateful to have you You come on here and share that story, that testimony. Um, and to our viewers. To our viewers. To our viewers, you, you are the asset. You are the asset. You are That's the right. asset. We, we know That's right. right now it may not feel that way, right? Sometimes, you know, you're in a rut. Life hands you, a, you know, some bad cards. Give God a chance to use you like he did with my brother Glenn up there. Glenn, you go ahead and let God use you, man. That's it. I, I will, man. And thank you for that. I'm so, uh, I'm just incredibly thankful and blessed. Hey, if, if God can use a guy like me, 
<laughs> I've been homeless. I've been on drugs. I've made mistakes. I've robbed, pillaged, all that stuff, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I even was an advocate that God wasn't real for a good season of my life. Uh, so if he'll use a guy like me, I yeah. promise he can use you. Hey, Glenn, <laughs> before we get out of here, man, I got a big favor to ask of you. You are part of the Who You Know community. And this is all about networking, right? Right. So I'm always yeah. trying to level up, always trying to, to bring on better... Uh, you know, guests to try to, to, to uplift our audience. And so you've mentioned a couple people, man, that I would love, absolutely Glenn, love to get an introduction to. You set the bar high. You threw out, you threw out, uh, uh, E.T.? Boy, man, <laughs> E.T., that guy, he lights me up, man. I'm going to tell you, that guy, yeah. I hear him speak, and that guy gets me just Does lit. Does he light you up more than Grant Cardone? Man, I will tell you, Grant, Grant, he, he does, man. He's more of a inspirational speaker than Grant. I love yeah. Grant. Because I know your spirit. He he is. He's yeah. more of an inspiration. That guy, E.T. will, woo, man, he'll get you lit. So oh. Eric Thomas, Eric, Eric Thomas has that, uh, you might have heard, if you when you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, yeah. that's Eric. That's Eric Thomas' is like wow. big video that made him big, big, big time famous. But Eric Thomas has been motivational speaking for 30 one years now, 31 years. He does like 250 speaking events a year. Oh he's, he's the number one motivational speaker in the world. So just as this has um, been something that God has spoken into me, a seed that has been planted into me. Um, I used to be terrified of public speaking. Oh, and now not I'm lying. Doing stuff like this. And it's just crazy what God is, <laughs> is doing in my life. And a, a big mission that I'm on again is to lift up my audience, to lift up the broken, to, to get people, um, you know, who are, who are on the bottom to, to leave on a rocket ship. And so like Tony Robbins, right? That guy will get you pumped up, get you jazzed. People like ET, right? He'll get you jazzed up. So I'm trying to learn from people like you, because one of the things that I want to do is to have almost like a Tony Robbins feel, uh, for job seekers where, where, where job seekers can come in and, and, and come in broken and leave on a high. You're feeling like they can accomplish the world because they can. They, they can. They are the yeah. asset, right? And that's right. And I want them to know that and to feel that. And so, anyways, I'm trying to level up and trying to learn from from uh, people like you who have already done it and crushed it. So, there you go. Oh, well, thank you. Well, here here's here's what we're gonna do. So, uh, obviously, I'll I'll connect you with ET, and uh, and hopefully that can go somewhere. But the real, not that he's not the real, but. The woman, Danelle Delgado, that whispered in my ear that, you know, that she's become one of my dear best friends. We do business together. We talk nearly daily. Uh, she spoke at Grant Cardone's 10X Growth Conference, the very first one. That's how I met her. And wow. her words from the stage completely transformed uh, everything for me moving forward. And so I connected with her and and and, and she's, she's incredible, man. She just was on... Uh, she just got a Forbes magazine cover just last week. Dude, she's, there's something special about this. I want her on this you show. Have to know her. Bring it yeah, on, I'll man. Get it. Let's that, do it. That, that we can make happen. Let's no do doubt. it. Yeah. No Let's doubt. do it. And so, thank you so much for that. I appreciate it because it's all about who you know, right? Thanks for listening to the Who You Know Show podcast. My name is Trevor Houston. And if you've enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing wherever you listen and leave us a positive review to help us keep the mics on in the studio. Until next week, that's the show. It's all about who you know.